Alright, so I know I said I was going to do another short for Thursday, but since I was watching television earlier, watching ESPN in particular, and the whole entire Ben Simmons drama, I had to go ahead and make another another short. So let's go ahead and get, let's get into it. Uh, today, Ben Simmons was kicked out of practice for not being tentative, not being... Uh, participant of uh, not being a participant in practice doc rivers kicked him out and then the team went ahead and find him and suspended him for the first game they find him for the first four preseason games that he was not a part of which uh, is not surprising it's kind of to be expected they are getting paid now for the games that they are um, playing in including preseason so he missed out on some of the earnings there i believe the first if he were to sit out uh, tentatively the first 20 games I think that was roughly about 8.5 million dollars of his salary for the year which if you remember he is getting he just uh, started his four year or I believe a five year 147 million dollar extension which if you think about it that's going to be kind of hard for these Sixers to trade so that's going to bring up a lot of questions too as far as trade suitors for Ben Simmons and for the Sixers now Joel Embiid was asked questions after practice today about Ben Simmons and the whole entire drama and saga and he's quoted saying that he's not here to babysit that guy I tend to agree with him I've been on teams myself whether it's been high school college or even semi-pro when I played and I remember clearly there was always one person that was catered to or was spoiled above the rest and got anything that they wanted. And being a teammate, that was very annoying to deal with. And that kind of killed the team chemistry, to be quite honest, especially when you get up a little bit older past the high school segment. And it was kind of hard to deal with. So I can imagine him saying that, that he's here not to babysitting not to babysitting Ben Simmons and his reaction. With that being said, though, Ben Simmons is going to miss the first game tomorrow against the New Orleans Pelicans, which should probably be nothing more than a two-up game since the Pelicans don't have his eye on. And as I said earlier in my other short, it's really just a dress rehearsal before the actual season really kicks into gear around, around November and December, especially December. With that being said, there are some questions that I have that I want you to think about. First, who is going to trade for Ben Simmons? Second, where should he go? Everyone, if there's a lot of people that think that Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving would be a perfect match since Kyrie Irving doesn't want to get the shot, uh, doesn't want to get the COVID shot, and Ben Simmons would actually bring in a defensive presence to the Nets. With that being said, I don't really see that happening. Why would two teams in the same division especially make that trade? I know that it does even out, but there's also there's also some uh, earrings, uh, some inklings too of him maybe being traded for a Bradley Bill out of Washington, which would go which would pair well with uh, Joel Embiid, or even going out west. There's still that speculation of him being traded for uh, maybe more of a CJ Cole kind of player, which he is an All Star caliber type of player, which the Sixers are asking for but on the other hand they really prefer Damian Lillard in that trade 76ers do 
All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to other news. Let's move on to Yankees news. Um, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about this. The Yankees go ahead and re-sign Aaron Boone for three years. Um, in his first four seasons, he's 328, 218. That's a winning percentage, winning percentage of about 600, 601 to be exact point. Uh, he's the first two years. The Yankees won 100 plus games. Um, the first year they won 162, and then the next year they won 103 and 59. Last year was COVID, so that was a shortened season. They won 33 and 27, and this past year they went 92 and 70. So, albeit minus the COVID riddled season with the 60 games, he has coached the team to the playoffs in three of those four seasons. I don't really count the the wild card playing as a playoff game, in my opinion. That's just me. A lot of baseball purists actually believe that to be the same. Their uh, baseball itself is just trying to get a younger audience involved, which makes sense. Now, that being said, there are some questions still to be made about the Yankees coaching staff. Uh, They get rid of Phil Nevin. They get rid of Marcus Thames, the hitting coach and third baseman coach, which I'm actually okay with. We need a better hitting coach. We need a we need a hitting coach that will teach us, that will teach small ball, that will get us back to those small ball principles. Because it is a long season and a long grind. And yes, baseball now is about launch angle and about hitting bombs that are 400 and 500 feet and everything like that. But it doesn't necessarily win you games. If you can see right now in the playoffs, yes. Boston's hitting a lot of home runs, but they're getting runners on base. And as a result, home runs are being made, but they are scoring runs by getting people on base and them staying on base and not having base running errors. And the Yankees were really bad at base running this year. We were one of the worst teams. I believe we were 27th out of 30, which that's not good at all. I will say this, though. I will give Aaron the benefit of the doubt. Injuries have plagued the Yankees the last two-plus seasons. And especially with pitching, you do need pitching to win games. And the pitching's been subpar even with the addition of Cole the last couple of years. I am expecting, though, to see what... I am expecting the shortstop issues to be handled, especially with the inklings and people have told me Yankees are looking at Corey Siegel Seeger um, from LA and or Carlos Correa from the Astros which I I don't want Correa just because he's an Astros guy and I feel dirty him being on the team but then again if he's another bat and especially another good defensive presence that we need to bolster up at shortstop I'm on board for it at this point. He'd be good at the six. But with that being said, Aaron Boone really is on the hot seat, I feel like. This first year of the new three-year contract extension is the testing period. He will have been with the Yankees for five years, and you've only produced one ALCS in those five years. Something's got to change. Like, we need to get to the World Series. We need a championship. That's just the Yankee in me speaking. All right, I want to finish up with more basketball talk for the basketball enthusiast. 
like I said, tonight we are having the Nets and the Bucks and the Lakers and the Spurs or Lakers and the Warriors. I know I mentioned that in the earlier short, but I want to talk about something to look forward to in the first week of the NBA season. Let's talk about how teams start off. Let's talk about how the not not your playoff teams, not even your run of the mill teams, but let's talk about your teams that are definitely not going to make the playoffs. All cart your Pistons, your Rockets, your Thunder, the Kings. Maybe I put them in there because you just you don't see them in the playoffs quite often, like you did in the early two thousands. Your Raptors, the Magic. What I'm really interested to see is how the young talent develops. Right, the Thunder got Josh or uh, Josh Giddy, I think is his name, or Alex Giddy. In the draft at number six, Cleveland got Evan Mobley at number three. Cleveland's another team that's going to be interesting to see uh, with the flux of big men in their whole entire um, rotation on their depth chart. And the real question is going to be for these teams like this, like I said already, is how are they going to develop and what will be their identity of their star talents their young talents are they going to try to in the next couple seasons build around them defensively put some vets around that are defensive presence are they going to build around them offensively through free agency because you have to remember these teams that have young talent also have a lot of money coming up here pretty soon via trades and the um, expiring contracts so it's going to be interesting to see I think that what we really need to pay attention to as well with your middle-of-the-pack teams in the NBA is are they going to be buyers or are they going to be sellers, right? Your middle-of-the-pack teams are going to be more of your Knicks. I put Boston in there because I don't don't know how Udoka is really going to have Boston play. I really haven't seen their style yet. Um, You're still questioned about... um, Brown coming back, if Jalen Brown's going to come back to that all-star form that he had last year. So it's going to be interesting to see there. Another another team that has a lot of questions, I feel like, is the Bulls. Now, I know I said in my Eastern Conference preview, I do see them playing in the playoffs, but they are a middle-of-the-pack team until we see them have an identity in in this first quarter of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how basketball goes. Um, actually, I lied again. I do have something else to, to get to. I want to get to a little bit more football. I want to talk about college football this time. I know I, I apologize. As soon as I think that I'm done, I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't even talk about that. So let's talk college football for a second. Um, as we saw on this past Saturday, Iowa lost in fashion. They lost to Purdue. Iowa is on the outside looking in. Your top four, obviously, are Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Alabama. And if you really think about it, Alabama at number four, that kind of helped them out with that loss. That loss kind of helped them position to have a crack at being in the playoff maybe two, three times. So say, for instance, they beat Georgia in the SEC championship. That keeps them right there in the talk. And if they suffer another loss, 
they still should be up to play in the SEC championship, in my opinion, because the West really isn't that good. LSU is down this year. They're getting rid of their parting ways with Ed Orgeron. And I'm trying to think of another team that's in the West. Mississippi, Mississippi State. have uh, Miss, uh, Ole Miss has already lost to LSU. And, or not to LSU, to Alabama. And Mississippi is... Mississippi State's running the pack. So Alabama really has controlled the West. The East, on the other hand, Georgia can run the tables. They take out South Carolina. They take out Florida. They take out Tennessee. They take out those types of teams in their side of the division. They should be good to go. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama and potentially Georgia flip one and four maybe, All car- or albeit – depending on if Cincinnati holds up their conference in um, the AAC, which, by the way, they're adding six more teams uh, to be reported. And Oklahoma. Oklahoma's in a good position, too, until they play Oklahoma State, I think. And I want to comment on that for a second. Oklahoma State is ranked eight. They beat Texas as well, so Texas has lost to both Oklahoma schools in the Big 12, so they're in a really big deficit. And to tell you the truth, I'm really hoping to see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play twice. Now, that's me being selfish, albeit because the Bedlam series is always fun and entertaining to watch. And plus, too, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC here in a couple of years, it's going to be on the last few, few times you see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play. Unless they work out some type of agreement where they play each other still, regardless of the conference that they're in. But that I think that's going to be hard since Oklahoma's going to have to go through the gauntlet, gauntlet of the SEC and Texas as well. But here's one thing. Oklahoma, if, uh, if Oklahoma State keeps on par and their defense holds up and they beat everyone else in their conference until they play Oklahoma and Oklahoma does the same... I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two teams is in the Big 12 or from the Big 12 um, is still in the running for the playoff. Both teams have handled their schedules pretty well so far, even though Oklahoma has not really played up to expectations or even surpassed them. They still have played well. They're still undefeated. Oklahoma State is undefeated. And it would be cool to see Say Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma in Bedlam or Oklahoma beats uh, uh, Oklahoma State in the first part of Bedlam, albeit they play each other in the Big 12 championship and the one that loses the first time in Bedlam beats the other, that's going to bring up some really hard discussions, I think, for the committee. So that's going to be interesting to see here in the next couple of, next couple of weeks uh, of the season as it progresses on. I believe we're in week eight of college football and we are coming into week seven of college football so but otherwise than that i just wanted to get that out there um this is short number two i'm going to title it something different i i don't know what to title it but it'll be short number two maybe continuing thoughts on the day but i just had to get it out there i hope everyone's been enjoying the the short so far and as well the regular show length as well i'm hoping to get it down to about 40 minutes here um, on the regular Otherwise than that, I hope everyone has a great day and I will talk to you guys later. Mm-hmm.